Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 191. We're recording this live Friday afternoon, July 18th, 2014. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me, as per usual, as per usual, as usual, this stupid fruit fly that's flying around my face again, and... That was me last week. Well, I, uh, ate, I ate it Asif last Khan. week. It's Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association in Toronto, uh, ready to rock, big show, uh, 191. Let's 191. do it. Nine episodes shot. Did you see my man Derek Jeter come up big in the All-Star game? You mean on those on those grooved pitches? Yeah. Oh yeah, like be like here, we're gonna lob them in for you, Derek. <laughs> Hit it out of the park, would you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't quite see uh, Jose Bautista do anything there. No, he didn't do much. No, he didn't do no, much. he was really a non-factor in that game. But no, uh, he didn't do much. My man, I was uh, I you know I had goosebumps before the game even started, and then when they took him out in the fourth inning and the st- oh look, I'm getting him again. DJ baseball is not gonna be the same without Derek Jeter. There you go. <sighs> Anyways, Asif, how was the week? How was your week, the man? Week, the week was good. The week was good. I got to hang out at home and, uh, you know, just get stuff done. Lots of calls, lots of uh, exciting stuff coming up for the fall, and, uh, you know, got a bunch of events. So why don't, why, don't you tell us, that. why don't you tell us about what's going on, Asif? It's so exciting. Yeah, so the, uh, the first thing I'll mention is uh, we've got uh, the, just this coming week on Tuesday, uh, the 22nd, I'll be in New York for the Place Conference. That's Place 2014. Uh, indoor location beacons. It's an entire day focused on indoor and 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 all the opportunities around that. The following Tuesday on the 29th, I'll be in Chicago for the Mobile Media Summit. Uh, that's a big event. Um, really excited about that. A lot of uh, brand folks will be there. Uh, some agencies, some different crowd all together, and kind of looking at obviously mobile location on a much wider scale than just beacons. Um, and then two other things uh, I'll mention. Well, actually three. So I lied. <laughs> The uh, on August the 18th, uh, we've got a uh, LBMA Chicago chapter event. Uh, I won't be there, but uh, you know it, it's and that's an interesting one because we're doing it in partnership with Heartland Mobile, which is a local uh, uh, meetup group that uh, is based in Chicago, and the focus is on location data and privacy. And we've actually the the guest is Jules uh, Polanski, the uh, Guy who heads up the future of privacy forum in DC is coming to speak at that. So, uh, so that'll be really, really interesting. Um, and then two other things uh, to mention. I know it's I've a lost lot. count. Man. I've lost count. I thought you said two. Like a week and, ago. And now I'm up right? like to seven. Yeah. Um, so two other things. Uh, excited to announce that uh, we've partnered. Uh, the LBMA is uh, supporting the Grow Conference. This is Canadian stuff now. Whistler, uh, August the twentieth to twenty second. Uh, so I'll be there, and I'm actually doing an interesting panel with uh, uh, Brian Wong from Keep and uh, Bon and Ba from uh, Mondelez. Uh, so it'll be really interesting, and a lot of fantastic uh, speakers, founders, CEOs, uh, folks of all kinds of great companies, from GoPro to Misfit Wearables to Shasta Ventures, Yahoo, Google, Glass People, all kinds of people are going to be there. Um, so it's it's really neat. So that's August 20, 20 to 22 in Worcester, BC. And then finally, the big news, the big LBMA news anyways, is uh, we're, out of time. we're out of time, Asif, we're out of time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Episode October. <laughs> it's October that we're talking about already. October the 22nd, so mark the date now. Uh, Chicago, I don't know what's going on with Chicago. We're back in Chicago again. Um, this time for a full day conference, LBMA conference, Retail Loco. You might remember we ran one of these at South by Southwest, and that was a big success. 
So we've got another one coming up and already have confirmations from some great brands that are going to speak, not even attend, speak. We got TGI Fridays, we've got Crate and Barrel, we've got Pepsi, we've got Lord and Taylor. Um, you know, I, I'm missing somebody. Uh, Sears is is coming. I mean, like we got we got some good brands that are like speaking, and let alone all the vendors and, and everybody else that'll be there. So uh, excited about that, October 22nd, and best of all, this man right here, Rob Woodbridge, will be there, and he'll be emceeing the whole the whole thing and making it happen. So that's right. I will be up there, drinking hand from morning till dusk. And then I got to jet off the very early the next morning because it is my kid's birthday and I will never miss my kid's birthday. There you go. As long as I'm alive. I'm excited about that. And that's retaillow.co. Retail, low, retail, low.co. Retail, yes. low.co. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I got, I'm just wrapping my head around the uh, URL. It's crazy. Back when I was a kid, there was just .coms, okay? I know. Now we got all these .co's and uh, all kinds of... Well, I've just I have one thing to say is that uh, Michael Domingo from MMK Marketing, uh, he reached out to me and he said, "Listen, uh, you know, Asus and Intel are doing some uh, trials. They want to know what your opinion is about uh, devices." So they sent me this thing, which is a uh, Asus uh, convertible. It's like a tablet uh, thingamajiggy. Um, it's actually uh, uh, an amazing device. It is a Windows 8 device, which is a departure from me. It's the first time I've actually launched a Windows device uh, <laughs> since I had to troubleshoot my like media server, you know, like four years ago. I don't even I think it's still running. Um, so I'm going to actually be uh, taking a test drive on this thing, seeing how it works. I appreciate, Michael, for you uh, you sending it, and Intel, of course, and Asus for sending this over my way. I will do my best to decipher it. I'm, I'm completely lost already. So it's going to be a fun thing to do. Relearning Windows is very hard, by the way. Hmm. I'll let you know how it goes. There you go. All right, we got a big show. We do. We got uh, 10 great stories. We got a great, great guest in Henry Lawson from Autograph.me. These are the guys that put the beacons uh, down Regent Street, 170 beacons in 130 shops uh, with their platform. We've talked about them many times before. I got a chance to sit down with Michael and uh, with us uh, or with Henry uh, about Autograph.me uh, and uh, what they were doing on Regent Street. Very, very, very cool. A neat little company, had all the right answers. The episode will be up in a couple of weeks. Got so many interviews in the queue. It's going to be amazing for you guys to watch all of these. But uh, we got a little clip of it with Henry Lawson. Of course, we've got our resource of the week and our big stories. We're going to limit it to two. We're going to be talking about the in-store experience and beacons here, beacons there, beacons everywhere, creating great experiences with beacons. And you'll understand why when we're done our top 10 stories, which I think we, we shall start right now. And it's your turn to kick things off. Asif? All right. Go to. So our first story is Bonnaroo. Bonnaroo. Uh, man, it's like, like brings me back to Pokeru days. But anyways, that, <laughs> people won't know what that is. Uh, Bonnaroo, um, yeah. So Bonnaroo is a big music festival uh, that happens every year uh, in June in Tennessee. And uh, this year, I mean, they, for for the last uh, seven years or six years, I guess they've been working with a uh, mobile app company called Alumpa. I don't know what it is. There an association, Bonnaroo to Alub. Uh, anyways, Alumpa, Alumpa. Um, yes, is the company that they use that builds the the app for the for the festival uh, that people have been and they've had this app for six years. This year, they've added beacons, a hundred beacons. Over the uh, the property, which is 700 acres um, that that spans this this property for this big music festival, um, and um, the idea is just so they can do push notifications to uh, festival goers and you know and, and do a bunch of things with this, and it worked it worked quite well. Uh, Twenty percent um, of, of folks uh, uh, opted in for uh, for push notifications on their app. Um, uh, on average, 102 minutes was spent uh, by these people interacting with content that they received on their apps. So pretty good, 
you know, engagement, 12.6 notifications uh, per person on average over the four days. So pretty cool, pretty nice. Uh, and they did some interesting things with this. I mean, when you're at a music festival and you're outdoors and you're like going crazy all the time. So one of the things that they did was uh, they, ha they had beacons in the VIP area and, and in certain areas uh, like where the drinking fountains are and stuff like that. And they would send push notifications uh, to attendees to remember, remind them to stay hydrated and fill up their water bottles and, and things like that. You know, useful, useful stuff, right? Um, so I think this is kind of cool. Uh, I applaud their, their uh, you know, their, their usage of te of the technology in this way. So there you go, Bonnaroo using beacons uh, to engage festival goers. They've always been very advanced. Always impressed. Always impressed. I just wonder how many people on Ecstasy actually check their phones. There you go. Just an observation. I'm old. I told you I'm old. All right, here hey, we man. go. Pink, Floyd, Pink Floyd's coming back. Pink Floyd's got a new coming. album coming out this fall. I'm excited. Oh my good god! New material too, for the first time in like seventy years, right? Uh, all right, I'm old. What did I say? All right, our second story involves go from Bonnaroo and ecstasy to Heineken. If you've ever felt left out when you're out on the town, which I often say that, don't worry. Heineken has got your back with their new at where next Twitter-based service. We're starting to see these kind of services uh, emerge quite a bit now. This whole uh, digital to real life. It's very simple to use the service. Consumers uh, simply tweet at where next and uh, geotag their location to receive recommendations for trending restaurants, events, or clubs in their area. The social uh, tool basically pulls data from a variety of social media channels and analyzes it to determine which locations are trending in your location. This is all based on a, um, a, you know, an extension to Heineken's, uh, I guess it was a recent Cities of the World campaign. And it aggregated all this uh, social information from photos to Twitter posts to Facebook posts, and it kind of set a tone for the city that you're in. And now it actually displays this by just simply uh, tweeting at where next in your city and uh, allowing uh, your location to be had. This is uh, a fascinating service. I like the idea of digital to real life. Um, but it's always for those people that have like attention deficit disorder, like they're in a club and they're always worried about missing what's next at a different club. And well, unfortunately, uh, that's past. I'm past that. I uh, just find me a comfortable chair with a good cushion, and I'm good. All right. Yeah. Heineken. I like. I, I like. I like the use of Twitter's location. So do I. At, at where next? And and this happens. Can you imagine if Twitter actually had everybody using location? Be crazy, 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 crazy. More services like this. All right. Our third story comes from uh, out of home digital out of home behemoth Clear Channel yeah. uh, has launched a platform called simply called Connect Clear Channel Connect, um, and this is all about blending uh, their digital signage uh, you know platforms out there with um, push notifications and, and beacon type technology. So they're tying the things together about bringing mobile and the screen and, and the out of home screen together. Uh, in, in a sort of, you know, not, not like just a, a one-off implementation, but as a programmatic, you know, we're rolling this out across the board, uh, 28 uh, U.S. cities and Toronto and some, and some European markets as well. This is uh, being tested already out there in. Um, so really interesting. In, in New York, they're using the, the mobile technology that they're building into this is from Bluebyte, a company we've talked about in the past. Yeah on this so I think this is great I'm glad to see that you know the digital out of home industry and, and especially clear channel in this case has stepped up and said you know we, we believe in, in, in the importance of mobile integration and tying those things together and this is happening so kudos to uh, to everybody over there and especially uh, Josh Kruder who, who we work with uh, mostly so uh, th great job clear channel connect platform 
All right, so from uh, that to, uh, you know, I think that we talk about some kind of pet something or other a number of episodes again. Well, you know, the pet seems to be the place to be uh, these days because all of our wrists are taken, so why not look down at your furry friend? And it's a company called Pet Pace, and they're calling this, uh, maybe a, it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's a Fitbit for your cat or dog. And it's an interesting thing. It's a collar, and I'm going to let the video explain what it does, but I'll just give you a, a preamble about it. It's a collar that goes around your, your dog's our cat's neck, like a typical collar, and it does some crazy things, some dog analytics. Here, watch their uh, promo video. You'll get a better sense of anything that I could do it. This is actually fairly useful because it's very hard to talk doggies and catties. So here, this is Pet Pace's uh, own promo video, but it's a great demonstration from the dog's perspective. Here it is. So are you listening? My human has this new thing. I think he can read my mind. Like, I don't know how to explain it, and I know it sounds ridiculous, but he knows everything I'm going through. If I have a fever, or something hurts, or if I just feel bad, he knows. He knows what I'm doing, when I'm playing, or when I'm just taking a nap, and he's not even there. He can tell when I don't feel like eating, or when I do. He even knows what positions I'm in. It's crazy, it's crazy. Beautiful. Pull the belly in and press your chest Too down. much information if you ask me. What can I say? Pet Pace takes our relationship to a whole new level. I think I'll take him to my yoga class. Pet Pace. Let your pet talk. Suitable for dogs and cats. The most comprehensive health monitoring product in the market. Tracks important vital signs, temperature, pulse, respiration, activity, positions, behavior, calories, and more. Sophisticated real-time analysis of your pet's data. Automatically sends alerts when the system identifies a cause for concern. Used by leading veterinarians and hospitals. They did a great job explaining that. Simple, dead simple. It is a crazy service for dogs. And I've been a pet owner. Uh, now I'm a child owner, so I don't have a pet, but we will at one point, at some point in the future. And I could totally see using this. This is actually functional. Maybe a Steve thought I was gonna rip this, but I actually would like to know when my dog is not feeling well or there's, there is an anomaly happening with my animal based on all of the data. I think that's, it's, this is interesting, very interesting. It's weird. I have to say, I did, I did expect Rob to rip that. But I like I, I don't know what I, I like. <laughs> I don't care how many steps they take, right? Because no. that's not it. Like, I don't care about how, like, like, calorie consumption for dogs, right? All that kind of stuff is weird. But this, like, when when you take behavior and you, you, you record behavior and then you record anomalous behavior and that's what you find out, I think this is a neat uh, concept. So maybe I'm getting soft. I don't know. I'm getting old. Petpace.com. P-E-T-P-A-C-E.com. Asif. I'm all in with that, man. All Weird. right. Can I put it on my kids? Did uh, I, I say that out loud? Would I get in trouble for that? Eight pounds and no more than 160. I understand. Well, so. then it's perfect. Yeah. And I and I do leash them, so everything's okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Get out of the story. That's it. Pet, <laughs> petpace.com. All righty. Uh, our fifth story is uh, over to uh, Asia now. Uh, one of the behemoths in the location world over there is a company called Adnir. 
uh, and they've partnered with Mindshare, um, you know, the big uh, uh, agency uh, media buying uh, outfit. And this is really interesting because Adnir is, uh, you know, th like they're huge and they have so much data about what people are doing. In fact, 245 million user profiles across all of Asia Pacific. Um, in terms of you know audience segmentation type of data, right? So th so they know a lot about you know the same type of data that we've been talking about here in North America that you know a uh, you know a place IQ or a placed you know and these guys are trying to go after Adnir is is effectively the equivalent in the Asia Pacific market, and so now they're working with Mindshare and they've signed this this deal. It's a one year uh, it's a one year deal, non exclusive. Uh, to basically use the, this and license this data to kind of do uh, mobile uh, audience targeting uh, based on these 250, 245 million user profiles. Huge for that market, uh, necessary, um, you know, the importance of this data is, is, is it, it's invaluable what you can do with this kind of stuff. And we've seen it here in the U.S. and so I'm, I'm glad to see this, these kinds of things happening in other parts of the world as well. So Adnir partners with Mindshare. All that data, man. It's crazy. Well, we have like a million people. We just need 245 times our audience. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, you know. All right. Uh, Six story involves, uh, you, you know, a uh, big company. Um, I don't know when the last time a safe you went and bought appliances. Has it been recent that you've gone out and bought appliances? I just did. Yeah. I had, oh, a, I had a refrigerator going. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, tell me how, how terrible it is to go. What, what a terrible experience it is going to buy appliances, right? Yeah, I it's mean, like, it's uh, you just walk around a couple aisles and kind of op open some doors and look inside and see what lights up and you know it's yeah it's there's nothing it's bad yeah it's it, it's not fun it's boring it's the same and it's usually in like the like at Sears it's like the top floor in the far corner away from everybody else because it's not cool it's just washing machines and washers and dryers and fridges well Samsung recently introduced a massive digital installation showroom for its home appliance line in two Best Buy stores in greater Chicago area. Chicago again. Eh? Uh, now, this the display uh, marks another step in Samsung's huge bid to grow the, and become dominant in the, this uh, this weird, weird, weird appliances world. Like, you think of Samsung, I think of smartphones because that's the world I'm in. Yeah. But they, they set out earlier this year to become the number one appliance company on the planet. And this is the way that they're going to do it. The showroom is called Center Stage, and it was built by the Barbarian Group. Um, and basically, it used an open uh, source software. And, and uh, these guys have built this entirely immersive environment that is in the middle of these Best Buys. It's a six by 11 foot wall with nine screens. Uh, 20, and all of these screens are uh, their 27 inch uh, Samsung uh, display uh, screens. And they're basically, it displays the Samsung product in their actual size. So it's an interactive environment with huge screens and it displays the like fridges and stoves in their actual size. And then shoppers can experiment with the appliances using touchscreen technology. They can zoom in on features. They can basically open up the refrigerators without, you know, all digitally. Microwaves, they can tweak their colors, change the colors on the, on the, uh, on the appliances and even put them down inside of a fabricated kitchen. Now, we also covered a story by Best Buy doing the augmented reality uh, mm -hmm. tool where you can design your kitchen and design your, your room. And I, you know what, these guys, so this is not only a, a, a Samsung story, this is a Best Buy story. And Best Buy is just trying everything to create an, yeah. this experience, this in-store experience, which is what we're going to be talking about. It took... It took 25 employees, 25 employees from the Barbarian Group, over eight months to build this. 
and get it out and get it ready. And then they actually went out and helped install it in these two stores. Not really something that you could probably replicate very easily because it's such no. a, a cumbersome thing. But I'll, I'll saying, tell you though, I mean, Samsung, like, like the push is on, like to, yeah. to build this brand. And, and um, you know, even though, you know, I just went through this experience of buying this refrigerator and, you know, we didn't have, you know, this crazy technology in, in, in the Best Buy here in Toronto. All these but kids, yeah. I still, look, I bought a Samsung. Here it is, right? I just pulled like the user manual there. And you bought it without knowing? I bought a Samsung refrigerator. That's what I own now. Um, you know, so whatever they're doing, it, it it's working. I wonder, uh, you know, we probably did the same thing with a washer, but uh, they are an aggressive on an aggressive campaign to become the number one appliance uh, manufacturer on the planet. And, you know, when you think about that, this is this is what you have to do inside of a retail location. Mm. I mean, Apple started with the Apple stores embedded inside of Future Shop and Best Buy and all of the other stores. And and here you go. Now, uh, could they actually make appliance buying fun? An experience? It, it can only get better. Oh, so, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it can get worse. So I always think that, you know, you're only going to buy appliances every seven years, right? And uh, it's a lot of effort, but... Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, that's 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 the story for Samsung. Very interesting, interesting, interesting. I like it. I'd like to get. Some, I will show some pictures if I got them. So, carry on. Let's go to Marriott. Oh yeah. So our seventh story is uh, Marriott Hotels uh, has launched a uh, a new uh, a new service that they call Local Perks. Uh, it's 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 uh, integrated with their existing rewards program, but connecting uh, Beacon technology. Uh, into the hotels and and pushing uh, uh, notifications to patrons in the hotels. Uh, again, all opt-in, uh, connected to their rewards platform. It's all about driving engagement for additional services. You know, whether that's restaurants or spa packages or you know golf or recre other recreational activities. Um, you know, it, it's all voluntary. You can opt out if you don't want to be tracked as you move around the hotel. All that kind of stuff. But I think this is smart, right? And I think this is, you know, we're going to see this moving into into other industries. This isn't just a retail story. This is, you know, uh, Bonnaroo. This is, you know, hotels. This is everything. And and st so it's starting to come together. We'll talk more about that on the flip end. But Marriott launches local perks. I like and, and I like the connectivity between the loyalty platform, right, and the the ability to push notifications here and and and, and incenting people to, you know, sort of want to receive those see value in them the value being you know in this case loyalty points and by the way as a guy who flies um, virtually every week okay i went this morning and i booked like a vacation in february with my kids um and i, I like i think i used like three hundred thousand uh air canada miles or something like it's insane but like that's what they're there for so like people like me appreciate this stuff no kidding. Well, that's why I fly a lot Delta. Delta is very cheap in points when it comes to using points. Mm -hmm. American Express or uh, Air Canada has a uh, yeah. tax, a Canadian tax on top of it. Yeah, yeah. No, but like the whole thing, like the hotel, yeah. like the oh, resort. okay. Yeah. All in. That's okay, Asif. We're like, yeah, it's crazy. I love it. Where are we going? We're going to Dominican. Son of a... In February. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. All right. Uh, listen, you know, uh, from uh, from clicks to bricks. That's what I said. From clicks to bricks. Our eighth story is uh, Birchbox launching their store in Soho. Now, this is uh, if you don't know who Birchbox is, they're a perennial online beauty retailer. Uh, they became real 
you know, as my, I think my, my parents would say, or my grandparents would say, they became real because I can see them and I can touch them. They opened up a physical store in Soho, uh, in New York City. There are 2,000 products and they cover about half of the 500 brands that are online in their store. So it's a pretty good, um, you know, inventory inside of the store. What's interesting is that they have gone from a web out approach. They, they brought as much of their online learning as possible into the physical store instead of looking and looking at the legacy layout and legacy stores. And uh, this is basically turning traditional beauty stores on their head. So I, I gather, and I don't spend a lot of time in beauty stores. Um, maybe I should. It looks foliant. I don't know. Maybe something could do to, for my color, my skin tone. Uh, but most beauty, beauty stores organize by brands because brands are important when it comes to, mm -hmm. um, you know, beauty products. Uh, they organize by brands first. And what Birchbox is doing in their store is they're organizing by category first, which as a male, that makes a whole lot of sense. And I can't believe that this is just revolutionary, but maybe this is. But so they're going by category first and they wanted to make it more like their website. That's what they've been saying. So they've also got this section in the back, which is Birchbox has been known for these boxes of samples, right? Where you can buy for samples online. Yep. And uh, they've set that up. So it's basically a BYOB, which is uh, build your own Birch box uh, for 15 bucks. You can customize your, your own sample box and walk out with that. This is very cool because they're taking the web lessons and applying it to the retail store. And whether or not they're going to expand that, who knows? But we anticipate that the location Soho uh, will do exceptionally well. Um, and this will be something that they will pick spots, bits and pieces, like spots like Soho, where their their store fits exceptionally well. And so, just one, add one thing to that. Yeah. One of the things I read uh, that I, I really like about this is is that 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 part that you're referring to, where you kind of customize your own box and 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 your product set. They've got all these iPads and touch screens there, and, and they basically take you through a series of questions. And they've actually, uh, they're using artificial intelligence um, and machine learning to deter, you know, to, to kind of serve those questions up and respond to them and to kind of help you get to what the right answer should be. It's insane. Like, it's not just like, you know, fill out this survey and here you go. Like, it, the thing's actually learning and, and incorporating AI into this. It's crazy. Yeah, that's actually very smart. Who knows if this is the future of retail, but certainly taking the web lessons and applying them. Like, no legacy in retail outlets at all, yeah. right? So I like that, rethinking everything. Why do they have to do it the same way? But it always astounds me when I hear that people are grouping by brands and not by function, right? It's like, I don't go uh, to the Pirelli section at Canadian Tire, uh, right? I go to the tire section, and then mm -hmm. that's, you know, because it's a destination. But that's just the, the male mind, right, is that that's... That's the way I shop. I go to the milk section because that's where the milk is. I don't pick exactly. like Nielsen section, and but it just seems logical. Anyway, I'm not saying that people who wear makeup are illogical at all. I'm just saying that this is maybe a revelation in the industry. But Birchbox throwing away all tradition and uh, in their new Soho store. We'll watch that. Excellent. All right, our ninth story is about that luxury retailer Hermes, uh, and uh, they've launched something really interesting. So this is at uh, at their store in uh, Paso de Gracia in Barcelona. Uh, what they've done is is they've created this window display uh, that they call the Fox's Den, um, and basically they worked with uh, with a company called uh, Zim and Zoo, which is a a, a, a design agency uh, that's based out of France. And these guys have basically built, um, you know, a handcrafted out of paper and leather and, you know, a few other interesting materials.
basically, uh, you know, th th this this window display that looks you know, like like a fox's like living room, uh, effectively or, or home, um, and it's it's so intricately done, it's so well done um, that it, it's you know it's become a destination for people to go to just to see this window display. Like, forget about the store. You know, like like everybody's <laughs> talking about this window display. And when I read this story, when I saw the visuals of of what what they had built, what they designed, it took me back to my childhood. Of you know, every Christmas growing up here in Toronto, downtown Toronto, we have the giant Hudson's Bay uh, store. Uh, you know, that's down by the Eaton Center. And and since uh, since I was born and long before me, uh, you know, people would go down there at Christmas time, and they'd have these beautiful. Christmas window displays with you know the little uh, the little villages and the little whatever uh, um, you know and the, and the and the trains and and whatever else like going through like through this like forest winter village thing theme uh, going on and you go down there just to watch this stuff and it was all animated with um, you know stuff moving and whatever and as a kid like it's like mind blowing you know, one, the amazement that, yeah. that it brought to you and when I saw this this is the, the, that's what I got out of this is it's the modern day version of that where it's about design. It's about handcrafted. You know, we live in a world today of you know things like Etsy and, and things like that, where people want unique, custom, handcrafted. Uh, you know, maker. Uh, you know, it's a maker industry, right? Where you know we want everything you know a little bit unique, and that's what they're coming at here, and that's what Hermes is all about, right? That that one-off, unique, handcrafted, you know, bag or scarf or whatever. Uh, and that's why you're paying the big the big bucks. And so, you know, making that sort of affiliation between handcrafted window display and handcrafted product makes sense. And the fact is, is that you know we're getting people to the store by bringing them something interesting to look at, right? And I love it. And we'll talk more about that again uh, on the on the flip end. So, uh, Hermes Fox's Den in the Window. Pretty cool. It's a lot of time. Must have taken somebody more than eight months to do that. All right, our last story before we jump into our guest and our uh, three stories and our resource is, listen, I, I don't know about you, Asif, but I have lost, how many umbrellas have you lost? Hundreds? Yeah. Like hundreds? You know, yeah, every, I, I, I'd say at least at least 20. Yeah, at least, same with me, and like I've broken umbrellas and I've destroyed them well. You know, it might be time, if you're going to buy an umbrella that I'm about to describe, it might be time to get some insurance on your umbrellas because they're getting a little bit smarter. Two students from the Copenhagen Institute of Interaction Design have upgraded the standard umbrella to create a device that measures air pollution, the levels of air pollution, and it's all done through this little box that is mounted on the shaft. And it's actually in an Arduino microcontroller board and a dynamic LED display sewn into the umbrella's canopy that provides visual feedback for the user. It changes color and rhythm in response to real-time fluctuations in pollutant levels. So this is, it sucks in the air. It actually creates, um, it, it analyzes it, and it, it tells you whether it's getting more polluted or the air is polluted or it's not polluted. And then, not only that, it feeds it location-based-wise. It logs the timestamped and geolocated data to the cloud for analysis. So you're getting this mesh blanket network of, of uh, analysis of, of weather patterns and fluctuation in pollutant levels this is this is very interesting a great experiment um, but again perhaps not not the right thing I'm not gonna put this on I'm not gonna buy an umbrella that, that measures you don't think London fog is gonna start selling these no I can't imagine it I mean what would I just can't imagine it do I have to charge yet another damn thing like that's the you know what enough 
Like so, but I, I like the idea here is that they're thinking about nodes. They're thinking about how they can gather this information. What they do with the information is very interesting. I don't know what, um, you know, from a from an average person here, what the, the pollutant levels will tell me. Like if I have a house here and I've got to go to work there and I've got to cross that area and it's pollutant, like the air is not good. Well, I, I got to do what I got to do. So I don't think that it changes behavior, but I love the way that yeah. they're thinking about putting this in the cloud but, and analyzing but it. But it's, it's a bit of citizen science, right? It's yeah. you're, you're contributing data back into Absolutely. the, uh, you know, in, in, into the mass, uh, the mass feed. But it's what they do with the data that's the important yeah. thing. Like we all know when you see right. smog, like Toronto in the summer, right? Or New York in the summer, you see like a layer, dense layer of smog over it. Like, like Bangkok, right? Is that when yes. I was in Bangkok and you could go out in a white T-shirt and then you would come back and you would think your T-shirt is white, but then you hold it up yeah. next to a white T-shirt and it's sooty black. And then you oh, take I your know. shirt off Crazy. and you've got a tan line, but it's not a tan line. It's a dirt line, right? So pollutants, there's different varying degrees. And, and uh, it's one thing to collect that data, but it's another thing to understand that we don't need a lot of data to understand that the air is polluted, right? Let's learn. Let's build some technology that cleans it. So if this umbrella basically cleaned the air around me, I would buy an umbrella. Like the billboards we talked about right. before. So if they combine that material in an umbrella, yeah. boom. Anyway, it's Good. it's it's great for a student program. I love I love the the initiative here and I love the use of the cloud and location um, and uh, and looking at this as a way to contribute the data. So that's our tenth story. Copenhagen. The go. sensing umbrella. That's it. Ten stories down. We've got. Uh, we're going to just take a, a quick uh, detour here with our guest this week. His name is Henry Lawson. He's the uh, CEO of a company called Autograph. You can be found at autograph.me. I had a great opportunity. We, we covered him a, a number of weeks ago around what they were doing on Regent Street. They just rolled out all these beacons in the entrances, entranceways to 130 or 170 of the re, 130 retailers on Regent Street. They put 170 beacons in there because some retailers have more than one entrance. And uh, they have a customized application that actually pushes notifications to you based on what your preferences are of what, what shops you'd like to hear from. And I sat down with, uh, with Henry to talk about this, autograph.me, get a little bit of background, a little bit of information about what the company's up to and, and why do this and some of the learnings. Episode, as I said, will be up in a number of weeks on Untether.tv, but you get a quick glimpse of it right here. But do sign up for the mailing list and to be notified when this entire episode goes live. But in the meantime, here is Henry Lawson, the CEO of Autograph. What is Autograph? Okay, so um, Autograph basically is a company that allows people to express their preferences and what they're interested in uh, and to take control of those preferences within under a minute. And the technology we've been developing for the last three years, we founded the company in March of 2011 here in sunny Seattle, um, don't believe about either my home country or Seattle that they rain all the time. It's the blue sky is beautiful. Um, and hence why our logo has all this light blue on it. Um, There's influence there, isn't there? Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. And all I see on the picture, if you're not watching this on video, he's wearing a blue shirt and behind him is blue in the windows as well. It's, as blue it's, it's beautiful. It's, there's not a cloud in the sky. So Anyway, um, so we founded Autograph in, in March of 2011, and what we did was to set out to let consumers control the way in which they express their preferences in all manner of different digital spaces. So in, uh, in, in when they go shopping on the net, in when they actually look and see media on the net, in when they actually go and do banking applications and all these different things. Um, in every case, there's a certain amount of intelligence around it. There's a whole load of big data around these things. But the person that has no voice in that is the consumer. 
And we set out right from the outset to give the consumer the voice and the control. And over the course of the last three years, we've proven um, that consumers actively engage with this stuff, that they actually enjoy doing so. Only a very small single digit number of uh, percentage of people don't choose to participate. The vast, vast majority do participate. And when they do so, they give much better information. And most importantly, they respond an order of magnitude more frequently than if it was just something that came, if, if it was a recommendation based upon uh, a black box that they don't understand. So, so can you can no. you walk through a perfect like an example of this before? I don't want to get into Regent Street yet, but I want to know, like, sure. um, you know, how, how does a consumer uh, interact with Autograph? Sure. So we have technology that's based around uh, iOS, is built on Android as well as based on uh, HTML5. So you can sometimes find it at a Wi-Fi logon screen. You can sometimes find it in a um, in a website, but you can also mo mo most likely you're going to find it in a, in, a, in a mobile app. When you go into that app, you're asked whether you would like to personalize your experience. Now, the first in the current world, the first time that you're asked about that, your chances are you're going to be asked, are you male or female? What's your date of birth? Uh, what's your home zip code? What's your email address? We don't ask any of those questions. We just simply say, here's 40 brands or TV programs or movies, and SWOT, which is a, a, a brand name that we have, which is swiping and voting, which is moving a tile on a screen. And if you move it up, you like it. If you move it down, you don't like it. As people SWOT those 40 pieces of content, we have data in the background that allows us to build up a profile. So first of all, we get an incredibly accurate profile in about 30 seconds. Secondly, we share what we've learned with the customer. That's, what, that's the real point of differentiation of autograph. This is something that the customer has created, hence the word autograph. But most importantly, we are actually sharing that back with the customer to say, this is what we've learned about you. If you agree with it, that's great. If you don't, please delete it or change it or add to it or do things with it. So we enable complete transparency around that process where the customer actually understands what's being said about them. And then we start to serve content. And that varies enormously, whether it's a media application, where it's things you might watch on TV tonight, through a retail application like a Westfield or a Regent Street, where it's these are the kinds of things you might like to shop for in the mall or on the shopping street today. Um, it can be in a, in, in, a, in a banking situation. It can be these are the merchant offers available for you to use with your credit card today. Uh, in, a, in a carrier's context, it can be here's all the great things your carrier is bringing to you, including the opportunity to win tickets to this concert or, uh, or a new calling plan or an accessory or whatever it might be. The consumer, of course, wants the back end and what we do is we create an incredibly uh, quick and simple and game-like front end to enable them to get to a much better back end. So the consumer benefits enormous, which is why we're seeing so continuing such high levels of use of the of, of our applications. So you're you're basically asking them forty questions, but you're doing it in in, in kind of a, in a game, and uh, it's fun for them to do it. Is yeah. that is that the, the gist in, of it? In many ways, we're actually asking them five and a half thousand questions. <laughs> Boil down to 40 questions. You're absolutely right. Boil down to 40 questions. Because the reality is, if, 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 Rob, if I, if I ask you, you know, do you like CBC? Uh, the answer is obvious from your T-shirt. You're, yes. you're quite happy to tell me. You're very happy to tell me that you're actually a fan of CBC. Well, if you actually watch CBC then or listen to CBC, then that says something about you, which is distinct from someone else. 
And, you know, I might be able to see in the background that you've got a, an interest in cars or an interest in these things. Though All of those are very, very straightforward to be able to then uh, make further attributions about you. You know, we've discovered that people that uh, drive Mercedes-Benz uh, love uh, Italian food but don't tend to like sushi. Well, you know, those are seemingly completely unrelated items, but the reality is we can actually predict them extremely accurately from, from our process. How, how, do you, so how do you come up with the questions? But how do you come up with those questions that, that, are, that will, will determine those characteristics? Right. So we have a, a data science team, um, you know, PhD data scientists um, from the best universities in the world that uh, are developing all the time the uh, tiles that we can actually ask people based on. And then we do it through a combination of data that we buy, data that we uh, look at from the use of the application, data that, and surveys that we commission. We're able to attribute a whole load of data around each of those tiles. What the, the clever bit is that we've got five, over 5,000 tiles that we can use is in this particular application, which tiles should we be using? And the answer is we have a data science team that will look for the 40 tiles, which is about the right number that the customer is interested in, but is quick enough for them to be able to get to the end. Which of the 40 tiles should we use in a group to be able to discriminate really accurately what is it that drives this consumer? And so there's a lot of data science goes into that as to, as to what are internally consistent sets of brands or sets of TV programs that enable us to do that. And we thank Henry Lawson for uh, allowing us to use that clip and for coming on to Untether.tv as a guest. But as I said, look for the entire episode in a number of weeks on Untether.tv. Sign up for the mailing list. Damn it, just go and do it. You'll get notification as soon as it arrives. And then as a bonus, you'll also get notification when these episodes go live in the web sphere and the digital sphere. So autograph.me for some more information. And thanks, Henry. Appreciate your time. All right, uh, see if we got a couple of stories uh, to uh, plow through here. One of them is the in-store experience, what we've been talking about here, and, and actually gathering people to the store, getting them in the store, and then changing the experience inside of the store in order to be able to close more sales, attract more dollars. We're going to be looking at Birchbox. We're going to be looking at the Samsung and Best Buy uh, relationship and the Hermes story that we just covered. In our second story, we're going to be looking at this whole concept of creating experiences with beacons beyond, hey, I'm here. Hey, is that you? Hey, I'm here. Hey, is that you? The relationship that has already emerged in the beacon world. How do we create these valuable experiences with, um, with these beacons? Because they're there. They're there to be had. We just have to think creatively about them. So we're going to start with the first story, which is the in-store experience. Uh, you know, these three stories are really fascinating because the approach with, with, uh, with Hermes is to bring people to the glass, right? So the display mm -hmm. on the on, uh, outside of the store. The uh, approach with Best Buy and Samsung is to get people uh, that becoming a destination inside of the store, like Hermes is a destination outside of the store. Samsung and Best Buy is a destination inside of the store. And for guys like me and you who, who really appreciate technology, it's also a way to change the story 
and make it a technology story and get it covered in an episode like this, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then the other approach that we're looking at is the new thinking. And we see this a lot of the times with Shopify and their Popify uh, initiatives, right? Which where they bring strictly digital retailers, e-tailers, and put them into physical locations for a short period of time. And they all do business differently than the rest of the retailers who have bricks, mortar, and stuff. And here's a company that called Birchbox that has been very successful in the digital realm. And these guys have converted that knowledge into a, what I would say is a very unique approach to retail on the bricks and mortar side. Um, these, these stories, they may seem kind of disparate, but they are all this trend that we're starting to see where it's about the experience. We've talked about this so much, but it's about the experience, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's, that's the only thing that matters, right? I mean, <laughs> if bricks and mortar retail is going to survive, and I, I think it's going to because we're starting to see, you know, retailers make these moves. But, you know, the the reason people started leaving was because, you know, I could I could buy the product for the same price on Amazon or on eBay or on, you know, whatever. Um, so what was the reason to actually, like, you know, leave my phone or leave my house, you know, and actually go to the store? Um, well, you know, finally, retailers are starting to wake up, you know, and, and if you look over to, for example, like the Middle East, you know, and you look at like markets like Saudi Arabia and Dubai and, you know, and, and places like that where, you know, they've created these shopping malls, you know, what, what does a shopping mall in Dubai look like? It's an amusement park, right? <laughs> it's um, a ski hill in the middle of it. <laughs> you know, it's a, there's a ski hill in it. There, there's a mini White House, you know, whatever, yeah. like whatever it is, right? But the reason they do that is because they understand that it, you have to make the store a destination. You have to make it a reason, you know, for somebody to go there beyond just the product that's available to be bought there, right? Like, it, 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 there's got to be something happening. You know, I I, I had a problem uh, with my my iCal uh, syncing uh, wasn't syncing properly uh, on, on my on my MacBook Air. So I made an appointment to go into the Apple Store and I went this morning to to the uh, to the Genius Bar there and I did I sat there. But you know, you're in the store working with somebody getting something done there's a value to that right um and maybe while i'm there i'm going to buy something else i didn't this time but i have in the past um but there's a reason to be there right yep. and this is like you know i talk about best buy and all its showroom problems in the past but you, you know one of the, the biggest mix, mistake in my mind that best buy ever made was taking that whole geek squad thing and pushing it out uh you know you know and just saying hey you know we'll send a truck out to you no <laughs> you know what? Make them come into the store and yeah. like, you know, have a reason to, to to bring their computer in and get it fixed. Look, look how successful Apple has been, you know, with that model. And 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 I think that's it's really important to look at that. And there's another store I can't for the life of me think of the name of it now. Uh, it's a, it's a wine retailer in Brazil, uh, one of the big uh, wine retailers there, and they 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 redesigned their retail outfit. Um, and you know, if you've ever, if you live in in Canada or in Ontario, you'll know what you know what wine retailing looks like. It's uh, it's it's all government uh, run by something called the Liquor License, uh, the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, yeah. the LCBO, uh, and they run all the stores. And you walk into these stores, and it's just you know, you know, shelf after shelf after shelf, uh, you know, grouped by country or region, wine region or whatever. Uh, and you kind of go through it, and it, it's just a whatever experience. And you push your shopping cart through, and you fill it up, and you, out you come. This place in Brazil, what they did was, is you go into the store. It's beautifully designed. It's all like uh, I don't think there's any square edges in the store. It's all curves. Um, the walls are all curved. It's all white. Um, 
you know, white and black and I think like pink or something. Um, and and uh, all the bottles, you go along the walls, all the bottles are, are like uh, inserted into holes in the wall, uh, you know, ho uh, horizontally. And then above the, above like all, all these uh, shelves, if you will, uh, is a giant layer of digital screens, uh, like like a stream of digital screens all, all weaved together. Um, that that follow the curves of the walls, and what happens is when you pull a bottle out of the wall, the digital screen activates and lights out and tells you about that, you know, what that wine's all about and everything else. This is in I Brazil. Mean, I'm trying to, I'm desperately Brazil. trying to look it up here. Um, unbelievable stuff, and uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, crazy. And this is like three years ago. I'm talking about. So this is what it's all about. It's about experiential marketing. It's about creating and the, and the same store, by the way, not not just that, but. In the middle of the store, they have a, a, a giant Microsoft Surface table, and you take a bottle and you drop it down on the table, and the table lights up, and then tells you like you know what region that's from, you know where you know uh, what age it is, what you what? know good pairings uh, pairings for that wine. I mean, crazy stuff, right? Yeah. Where is that here? Exactly. That's so, an experience, uh, right? So you don't leave there experience. feeling like an idiot. You leave so I'm there. Done. Actually. I'm done talking. You talk. Well, but I, I like that, you know, and I would say that, you know, this whole retail experience, um, it's going to take that kind of thinking. And in North America, uh, you know, there's this eternal debate. Chuck Martin and I have this all the time. And we, we always talk about this on, uh, you know, our mobile commerce minute is that who wins in retail? Because there is no uh that that erosion who owns the relationship with the customer right so for so long mm -hmm. uh retailers have built brands themselves right so they right. are like if you go here in ottawa high-end um men's retail shop is called harry rosen and they sell everything like canali and hugo boss and everything like that and in, in, in between right but you know harry rosen built a brand on top of other brands. And then what is mm -hmm. happening now is this erosion of that brand, the retail brand. So it's not about Best Buy anymore. It's about the brands inside. And I look at this, like Hermes is interesting, but I look at what Samsung is doing with Best Buy. And, and this might seem like a really innovative thing that Best Buy is doing, but Samsung is using, like they're a user of Best Buy, right? And what they're all they're trying to do is create something that is a great experience. And for a little bit of time, people are going to go into Best Buy and do it. But their goal is ultimately to own the relationship with the customer and take that usurp Best Buy, take that relationship, extract it and put it into Samsung. Because they realize that over the, you know, the next 20 years, the shape of retail is going to change so much that it's not going to be a Best Buy destination. It's going to be a Samsung destination. And whatever it is, however you're going to buy, it may never be through Best Buy ever again. There may never be a congregation of products inside of a store ever again in 20 years or 30 years. So I think that, you know, what we're starting to see here is the brands, the manufacturers waking up that they need the mailing list and Best Buy trying to hold on as tight as they can. And that's why they're trying all these different innovations. But at some point, the, the, the manufacturers are going to own the relationship. And if something goes wrong, what have these big companies been telling us from the get-go? If your TV craps out, if you did it, if your refrigerator craps out, if your barbecue craps out, and you buy it at Best Buy, or you buy it at uh, Home Depot, or you buy it at Staples, what do they say to you? you got to ship it to the manufacturer. They've been handing for years or now. Or they try been... to sell you some warranty you don't need. But they've been shysters selling you a warranty, or they tell you to ship it back to the manufacturer. They've been basically handing you yeah. back to that relationship for 30 years. And now they're wondering what happened. It's all on them, this problem. That is why I don't have a sense of where this is going. But I do know that retail as we know it and the destination stores, they're fucked and they know it and they're desperate and the thing is the manufacturers understand that and they're leveraging it all the way until there's no more best buy whatever's happening in retail 
those guys are screwed. And it's companies like Birchbox who have this whole vantage point of being able to watch this without really investing in, in bricks and mortar come in with a new approach. And they're the ones who are going to win at retail. It isn't Best Buy. They're dead. Right. They just don't know it. It's Birchbox and the web-based guys that come in with a different mentality about how to service their customers appropriately. And they're the brand. And the brand yeah, and, is... And, 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 and the true, a true understanding of analytics and audience segmentation and targeting, right? I mean, that's what they... The, that that's what you know traditional retailers are trying to catch up with, and that's they just what, don't have it. You know, a lot of the indoor analytics stuff that we talk about is trying to make that happen. They just right? don't have but, it. It's but too there's late. There's so much catch up to do. It's too late. Like those guys are done. They're dead. They're done. And yeah. it's smart on the brands and or the manufacturers to go out and then do something, basically to uh, to own that relationship because that's exactly yeah. what's going to happen. I don't care about Best Buy, right? And I think the only maybe the only guys that have skirted this there's a couple of them, but Apple. Right there in the Hermes world, right where mm -hmm. it's a destination, and uh, but they did that early on, and people thought they were crazy. So, uh, I mean, if you look at it, but if you I, look, I, if you, while while you were talking, yeah. I did I did find the the uh, the wine store I was talking about. So it's that's called Mistral, uh, M I S T R A L, uh, and uh, that's the story you want to take a look at. Uh, we'll try and get some images up uh, for you as well. Okay, wicked awesome. Well, that that should end the story, but that ends in store experience. I think this is just a temporary, you know, you know, a, a last grasp for a lot of these guys. But companies like Birchbox going to emerge as as retail kings. Maybe not them, but that thinking will, re, you know, uh, will lead them to to victory over the the laggards and the and the already dead. Hmm. So from there, how did how do they now? Now we we talk about beacons and t traditionally, this is our second look. Traditionally, beacons have been traditionally, I say, because they've been around for so long. Yeah. Um, They've been basically uh, pings, like we talk about autograph, where it's it's um, an awareness that you've been in and out of the store, and it's basically like a, a you know like a, a counter that says you're mm -hmm. in. We understand you like this. We're going to push you more notifications. Let's talk about this. How do you create experiences with beacons based on what what we've uh, we've reviewed here in the uh, in the top ten stories? So so I think we, when you look at the uh, the Bonnaroo story and. Uh, you know, and, and you kind of look at, you know, what Marriott is doing. For, for me, it, it's, you know, the, it, it's about changing the emphasis of what you're doing with the beacons from, sure. uh, you know, pushing uh, messages to try and sell something uh, always. I mean, and obviously Marriott's trying to do some of that, but there has to be something else that, that you're bringing with it. And obviously, in their case, they're bringing the loyalty platform with it. Um, in the case of, of, of Bonnaroo, you know, uh, what I'm seeing out of that, what I think is is a big opportunity uh, that's missed by a lot of folks, is you know the customer service uh, enhancement uh, opportunity uh, in retail or or outside of retail. It doesn't matter. Tesco, you might remember, we talked about I don't know, like a couple months ago, has deployed beacons in many of their stores in the UK, but they're not doing. They refuse to do you know push marketing uh, with these beacons. They're using it to optimize customer service and satisfaction and doing things like that, uh, which makes sense. I mean, there are companies out there today that are doing beacons strictly in, in, from a retail perspective to uh, to look at, uh, at queue management, you know, and trying to control, you know, the lineups, uh, you know, uh, in, in the, the, the queues, you know, at, at cash at point of sale yeah. and trying to reduce those and optimize, you know, performance and, 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 and things there. This, these are customer service applications. Bonnaroo, you know, yeah, we'll send you a push message, but you know, to tell you when you need to fill up your water bottle and make sure you stay hydrated and don't pass out on the field somewhere so that, you know, we have to deal with that. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot that can be done with beacons uh, beyond just push marketing. 
I do too. And, and it's the subtle nature of beacons that should be exploited here. Right. So they, it doesn't have to be in your face. It doesn't have to be so aggressive that it's all push, 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 sales, 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 because that's going to destroy the beacon in the industry. It's going to set it back. It, it should be those little subtle cues. Right. So it should be, um, you know, if you opt in, like here's the key thing is that you've got to be able to opt yes. into these things. So if you opt into the autograph uh, tool, right, which is on Regent Street and you walk into specific five, five or six specific stores every time you're on Regent Street, then it starts to paint a picture of what you're interested in. And then it can do some inference and it shouldn't be blasting you, you know, um, every deal or everything from those stores to draw you in because you're already being drawn in. So if you go to the same five or six stores, for example, or you do the same five or six things, for example, and it's being, uh, you know, everything's been beaconized, so it's tracking you a little bit, um, then it's not about getting you back into that store, right? Because you already mm -hmm. go to that consistently. It's about exposing you to new things that are in that same echelon or that realm of that store. And that's when you start to add value. Like, don't send me stuff from a store that I'm actively going into. The store doesn't right. want that because I'm already spending full value. But what you want to then be able to do is take all that, infer what I like, and then start bringing other things into me that that are in that I might like as well. That's That's a little bit of value. And don't do it all the time surprise me right and i think that you're right customer service is a key piece i don't i'm not sold about the bonnaroo you know taking a sip of water kind of stuff not 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 really yeah. sold on that but i like the initiative right i like i like that concept right but it's too preachy for me as well right and uh and so it's important but it's a little bit too preachy they did that last yeah. year i think as well so well it depends right i mean like i mean if you're at the bruce springsteen concert and they send you a push notification to come get your t-shirt yeah is that a good thing for you? Uh, I, I, you, uh, you know what? I, I, as long as they're not interrupting the show, right? Right. Now, but but here's the thing. Like for for me, here's the difference, right? Like push notification that says while you're at the concert that says don't for, you know don't forget to come get your t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, and you know, uh, or click this thing to save you know two bucks on your t-shirt. That's one thing. What's better for me is because because if I'm already interested or potentially interested in that, what's better is to say. Push notification. Uh, don't forget to get your T-shirt. By the way, there's only five people in line right now. Right, that's important. That's important, and I think that's what you know where the opportunity is. But don't. But again, like I'm not looking at my phone. I may be the only one. I'm not looking at my phone when Springsteen's on stage, right? I'm just sure. not, right? Right. I'm not. So so there's timing in all of this as well, right? So that that you're not interrupting the the main experience and just your phone's busy recording, isn't it? Exactly. What? I didn't. <laughs> so I think I think the lesson here is that is that you, there are there are little nuanced ways that beacons can play that are not uh, not in your face. They're not obtrusive, uh, and and they actually add value in the way that you yeah. do. And I think from a concert and a Bonnaroo standpoint, it's like beaconize all the outhouses, man, all the porta potties, and uh, beaconize that. And let me know when there's a uh, like I would leave a concert if there were only three people online in, in a Bonnaroo uh, porta potty. That's it. There you go. Done. All right. So those are the two things. You know, we talk about uh, this great thing about creating the in-store experience uh, and what that means. And uh, you know, there's a uh, huge debate over that going on. And continuously, we will be. We always watch these things. And I certainly we cover it with Chuck on uh, Mobile Commerce Minute all the time. And uh, and then there's this beacons as uh, creating the experience with beacons. And I agree with this, Eve. It's focus on the customer service. Focus on servicing your existing customers. Don't pay, you know? Don't uh, pelt prospective buyers with uh, with deals and uh, or else they'll turn you off. So those are the two stories. What do you think? Do you like those? 
reach out, rob it on tether.tv or see com. Let us know what you thought about those stories. Or if we're way off, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to defend your standpoint, just go to untether.tv forward slash talk. Leave us a voicemail. Come on. Are you afraid? Come on. All right. One, one last piece of business to see. Talk about this, and then we got to fly. We're done our show. We, we got to go. Yeah. So, um, so our resource this week is uh, is an interesting one. It's it's actually an article, and we'll post this up on the uh, lbma.com forward slash. Uh, we'll put it under the press section, um, and just link to the article. Um, and uh, it's interesting because you know for some time now there's this bill that's been slowly working its way through the U.S. Uh, Senate. Um, yeah, in the FCC and and so on, and uh, it, it's this bill called the Location uh, Location Privacy Protection Act of 2014. It's the bill that you know we've covered a, it sort of indirectly and on and off over the last little while, over the last little year. Uh, sponsored by Senator Al Franken, um, you know, who's gone paranoid on trying to you know protect everybody from themselves, really. Um, <laughs> But uh, interesting that uh, just uh, in the last uh, week and a half or so, the Department of Justice has come out uh, in favor of, of this thing and basically supporting it. Uh, so that's uh, yet another endorsement that this thing is going to happen, I think. Um, and, and just, you know, I'll quickly summarize what it, what it means. Uh, so what they're saying is, is if you're a company that collects location data, it's, it, this is all about the people who are collecting the data, the, the apps and so on. Uh, and you collect uh, data on more than a thousand devices, so pretty much everybody. Um, basically, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to post online the types of data that you collect, how you share it and use it, and how people can opt out. That all has to be, uh, you know, put up on a website somewhere. Um, and then, basically, uh, the development, operation, and sale of any GPS stocking app. I'm not sure how they define what a GPS stocking app is. Will be banned by this legislation. So. Th those are the two main things that uh, that we expect to come out of this. Um, again, so it's the Location Privacy Protection Act of 2014, and now the the DOJ is, has come out in support of this. So, uh, just something to be aware of. And if you're in the industry and you're building these things, you know, do take time to look at this. It's important, uh, and you need to be getting ready for it. And if you are building a stocking app, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, you're kind of done. You're kind of done. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah. Partner with Best Buy. All right. Create an experience. Create an experience while well, you can until the DOJ smashes you. Smash! Uh, there you go. That is it for 191. We, of course, will be back with episode number 192 next week. If you have any feedback, suggestions, thoughts, if you want to give us a review, whatever you want to do, reach out robinontether.tv or asif at thelbma.com. Wherever you found these great podcasts, whether that be iTunes or Stitcher or uh, you know SoundCloud or wherever, even Libsyn. Please let us know. Give us a, a star review. Share with your friends. Sign up for the mailing list. Become a sponsor. Support us at patreon.com forward slash untether. There's so many ways for you to engage with us at this point in time. You've heard it so many times before. We appreciate that you made it this far into the episode. We will see you next week for episode 192. Thank you all for your support. Thank you all for making it this far in the episode. See you next week. Asif, safe travels, my friend. All right. See you later, everybody. Cheers.